This week's episode of Screen Talk is brought to you by Spectrum. This award season, Spectrum and IndieWire invite you to spend time with some of the year's biggest nominees in our Contender Conversation series. Each week, we're adding exclusive new videos featuring filmmakers and stars behind some of the year's most acclaimed titles. This week, find out how Natalie Portman channeled the most famous first lady for Jackie. And listen to Best Director nominee Kenneth Lonergan talk about his movie Manchester by the Sea. These interviews and many more are available right now. Just look for award season spotlight on IndieWire.com. And of course, don't forget to watch the movies. Both Jackie and Manchester by the Sea, well, they're really good. And they're ready to watch right from home right now with Spectrum On Demand. Welcome to Screen Talk, IndieWire's weekly podcast, recording from Ann Thompson's home in Los Angeles, and I'm Eric Cohn, the deputy editor-in-chief critic. We are ready to envision a world without Oscars. We're talking just a few days before the 2017 ceremony. Uh, the ballots are all in and, and presumably tallied, and uh, there's no more campaigning to be done which means that all we have to do is kind of just enjoy the ride until Sunday night when we figure out if uh, Anne made anybody lose money. (laughs) (laughs) It's a terrible responsibility. (laughs) But it is kind of amazing because it's in many ways it seems like a very predictable year, but there are a lot of potential opportunities for something not to go exactly the way they're called. I mean, if you look at the way you've predicted things, and not everything is exactly the same way. I mean, people assume La La Land's going to win a lot of categories. Just a question right? of how many, really. So it's an interesting... And does it break the record of 11 or go to 12 or, you know, something like that? Right, exactly. So from an Oscar Which pool Which is unlikely, I think. It's, it's tricky. It's tricky. But it's also it's just such a fascinating year for the Oscars. We, I personally am not sick of talking about Moonlight or even La La Land because... There are movies that I think are, are really well made, that have a lot of people interested in, in the kind of cinematic quality. That, that There's not, not a lot of old-fashionedness they to the Oscars. They both broke new ground. Yeah. And they both come from uh, writer-directors who who were really trying something new, and I think that should be totally commended, and that's why the two of them are at the top of the heap, yeah. frankly. It's, it's, it's and really La La Land happens to be the biggest grossing one yeah. at some 300 million worldwide. Uh, of all of them, although Hidden Figures is doing better domestically. Hidden Figures is going well. There's there are conspiracy theories going around that I it's actually it a the conspiracy popu- theory. popular favorite that nobody wants to call a popular favorite. It's a meme, you know. It's yeah. like it's like this is this is the little movie that that could steal the best picture. Of course, it's actually Oscar. a bigger movie in some ways, or and, it's and a more studio movie, one. yeah. So if although it does, although it wasn't telling a story that was traditional, that's what's so great about Hidden Figures. Ted Mel. He basically said it. He said, you know, it was about women. It was about women of color. It was, you know, three women leads, you know, period. I mean, it wasn't your natural pick for a commercial blockbuster. That's true. I mean, and and it feeds into this larger narrative of, you know, stories in the studio system are evolving because there is an impulse for them to evolve and the Oscars epitomize how Hollywood wants to see itself so it's important to see these kinds of movies as part of the conversation because they can well, have an impact. Compared to last year you know the so basically I'm suggesting that there's two narratives that are playing out a tale of two Oscars if you will 
One is the La La Land, how many will it get down the line through the crafts? And then the other is the not Oscar so white, you know, the inclusive, the, the diverse, the, the uh, politically active send a message message. And then the third one is what are you wearing on the red carpet on Sunday? <laughs> <laughs> and whether the, uh, the, the, the people who are accepting Oscars and presenting Oscars are going to make a lot of politics out of it. Yeah. The producers have been talking a good game about how they want to bring everybody together and their love of movies, the blah, blah, blah. And I understand that, but I think we will hear a few speeches maybe from Ezra Edelman if he wins OJ Made in America, which is our pick for best documentary. And of course, whoever might accept for Oscar Farhad if he wins for The Salesman or if the White Helmets wins best short film, then you have the Syrian head of White Helmets talking about both immigration and serious war against terrorism and, and all these different kinds of things. So who but, accepts for Farhadi? And what does he say? There's a rally today um, that UTA, his agency, they represent him, they're throwing, and he's supposedly going to be, uh, you know, uh, speaking satellited yeah. in somehow uh, to address the crowd. I think it's notable They're not that... throwing an Oscar party this yeah, year. They're we... throwing a rally so that tells you something i remember last year we we went to that to their party and it was everybody was there you know they brought the masses out and it was and it was really funny too because i remember we were at the door and we saw chris rock and laszlo nemesh talking to each other you know like there's there was something kind of inherently cool about that but what's different this year is it feels like those parties, you know, the, there's some some kind of resistance to to just feeling okay about that part of the industry just working on autopilot. You know, everybody meets and has a nice time together. Now it needs to have purpose. You know, yeah. With William Morris Endeavor is also putting a political slant on things. Of course, that's Ari Emanuel, who at one time represented Trump yeah. and is the head, of, you know, probably the most liberal and politically active. He represents Michael Moore, you know, so it's sort of an interesting uh, juxtaposition. There's a there. lot of ironies that we've had to deal with the last few months, and other people are still getting to have their parties. We've already gone to a few of them, and we're going to go to more of them, and, and also go to the Independent Spirit Awards on Saturday. And I do feel like there, there's a kind of relaxed vibe this year, at least among the people that we've been seeing, because you know people get along. This hasn't been a tooth and nail kind of a, a fight in terms of you know nobody's really sabotaged somebody else's Oscar campaign. It hasn't been that kind of a thing. The La La Land people and the Moonlight people seem to get along in a way. I so. would say that there's probably some. All right, so Harvey Weinstein has a lot of uh, well, Harvey's always got a investment fight in Lion, right? Sure. Which That's has, unfortunately, the, a, a quite good likelihood of not winning anything. Sort of like Carol last year, which was also theirs. Um, so then you have, then you have, um, he's been doing these sort of get Madeleine Albright, you know, get the big political figures to talk about the immigration crisis. You know, right. you may turn Lion <laughs> into, I mean, This you know, is what he's been doing for years. Right. Nothing, nothing but, you know, to give it, you know, even more gravitas than it has, than it has already. Um, and I just don't think that's going to work. The other meme would be that La La Land is frivolous and light and white and that the Oscars should go more It is serious, all of those things. I mean... <laughs> So why so serious for the Oscars? Well, maybe Moonlight, with eight nominations, has a shot at winning some Oscars. Everybody loves that movie. 
you know, and um, it was the vibe was positive when when we saw a bunch of those people around recently. I, I got the sense that you know the fact that this movie has gotten to the level that it has was so unthinkable a year ago. A movie that was made for we we now know about a million and a half dollars. I talked to Barry Jenkins last night. He confirmed that. Yeah, figure, I mean it's it's which uh, we reported in DeWire's yeah. Chris Fault reported. Yeah, it, w- it was great for us to kind of break that down a little bit because people always say, you know, it's less than five million or whatever if they don't say it was less than Spider-Man. You know, I mean, people all- often don't comment on budgets, but the five, four or five million dollar range tends to be that mid-level thing. When you really look at 1. this movie... 1.5 to get eight nominations through the crafts? That's crazy. an extraordinary I mean, it's, achievement. It felt like... W- it was, so when Boyhood got nominated, I felt like there was some kind of validation of the sort of innovation, uh, uncompromising energy of American filmmakers who don't always get that kind of attention. This is a more evolved version of that in some ways because it's not even made by somebody who was on that level to begin with. You know? Sure. So Boyhood, it was like Linklater could get away with it. Feature. Yeah, with a many years but, in the in, in the making. And, but Boyhood was in in fact, you know, in, in effect, penalized by the Academy voters for being small. And that's unfortunately what may happen. It was also, to I mean, and as well. the other connection there is that they're kind of experimental. They're not traditional narratives. I mean, you could say, okay, Moonlight's got it's a three act kind of a thing. No, different some time people periods, don't like it for that. And, yeah, and I they mean, don't necessarily agree that this it, is a it works. movie made by cinephiles whose reference points are Ho Shao Shen and stuff like that. And it's uh, accessible though, and it, very well, emotionally. It's hard for me to see accessible. it because of my own sensibilities. To me, it's just it's so textured and you know indescribable on paper to really get to the essence of it, but it's had such a long tail because people continue to discover it, and it has done well commercially. But it's by far the best reviewed of all the films this Yeah, year. I mean, let's, let's be clear. I mean, this is this is the best movie. There's stuff like <laughs> Hell, Hell or High Water is a lot of fun, but it's no moonlight. You know, these are categorically different experiences. So. They're different, yes. I mean, I love, I love Hell or High Water. I yeah, mean, it and that also may not functions as an art film, but it's also a genre film and a western. It's which an makes art for genre film. Accessible to the steak eaters. Yeah. Hello. So, I mean, again, that's a movie that may not win anything. So, let you want to do you want to go through? Yeah, that let's do. It. Let's help people with their Oscar pools. <laughs> give, give them a couple. We're not going to do every single category. We may touch on most of them by the time we're done. If you really want to know, go to Gold Derby. Go to my, go to my story. Whatever. Go to Anton. Insight. She's got analysis, you know, the context, and the things. You don't want to just win your your pool. You also need to be able to explain why you're winning it because that's where the real satisfaction. And then goes. you can yell at him the next day. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, that's it's a funny all thing. Her fault. There's like there's a couple hours of sort of come down from all this stuff, and then we just move on. Even if you get a lot wrong, it's gonna be okay. It's I think it's during the ceremony when it's the weirdest, you know, when when something surprises is you and you're just like well how do we process this now that person's still giving their speech and the other person's still sitting in their seat and you know we just it's it's weird well if if the supporting actors are are the first ones up usually right so so let's do let's do that because those two categories are safe well that was an upset last year just to, to point out um people thought stallone had that one in the bag for creed and and he didn't um, but he wasn't the original front runner in that category. It either. was well, yeah, exactly. It, it was. Sometimes you can overthink it. You know, you can see how well someone plays in the room, and think that there's emotion there, and actors love him, and so on. But there's an entire academy 
voting, which is why one reason why, for example, Viggo Mortensen, who everybody adores, yeah, he, he, he got a nomination, but that doesn't mean he's going to win. Okay, you know? but this one seems like a pretty much done deal by most estimations, including yours with Mahershala Ali. I mean, he's the one to beat, right? How yeah. do you beat Mahershala Ali? And if anyone could, it might be Jeff Bridges for the very popular Hell or High Water, which has a Best Picture uh, nomination. I mean, like you said, that's a, that's a stake. But he thing. won a few. But he, no, I think I think people love Jeff Bridges. He's, but won, he's won before. before recently he's good for in that crazy movie. Heart. But you just look at how ubiquitous Mahershala Ali has become as a result of this movie, and he's everywhere. If you turn on Netflix and watch Luke Cage, there's Mahershala Ali. You know, he's in Hidden Figures. I mean, and he was great in in House of Cards. And he this is his year. This is his breakout year. But he was in the first third of the movie. Making you want more the rest of the movie. He is That's the beating true. heart of the movie. I think he'll win. It's a significant supporting. I mean, people have won for less, mm-hmm. you know. So let's uh, you can start with that. And including made, including Judy Dench. Yeah, exactly. In Love, right? Exactly. You never know. Or, or Anne Hathaway for a song, right? You know? right, right. <laughs> so, but but also, I mean, he, he gave some really strong speeches in some of these other award ceremonies. So he including could start the SAG. I am yeah. a Muslim, which was very important. So I mean, that could really start part the of the message off scenario. It. Yep. Yep. In a strong way. All right, well, well, I'll back you on that. I'm going with Mahershala, too. What about supporting actress? That's Viola Davis, and no one's going to take it from her. Viola versus Octavia, huh? Well, Quite in, a show, in the In The Help, Viola was Best Actress, yeah. actually. And then, yeah. and then uh, uh, Octavia was supporting... But uh, this time it'll be, uh, it'll be, and she won Octavia. So this time it'll be uh, Viola's win. I mean, it's it's interesting because I don't see any. Uh, nobody seems to really think that that's a even a, a real spoiler. I mean, it's. It, I don't it think would it'll happen. It would be an upset, and it would be a sign of how popular Hidden Figures is, and a sense that Viola has won everything. But in in truth, when you have a a a, a snowball ro- getting bigger and bigger and bigger and more inevitable, it is very unlikely that anybody stops it and go and it goes another way. It'll go with Viola Davis and and a great showman of, or show person of sorts who will probably give an incredible speech too. Indeed. So it, it, when you really think about the if, if these are the ones leading off the evening, it's going to be by the first commercial break. In a, in a pretty incredible space. With I mean, a win for Moonlight and a win for Fences. Yeah, so. exactly. And then everybody can go home happy. <laughs> so then we have the two screenplay categories, and I'm pretty confident that Barry Jenkins wins Adapted for Moonlight. He's been up for original in with the WGA and with the BAFTAs and won both of those against Kenneth Lonergan and Damien Chazelle. I think that's so a really here interesting he has thing even too. less competition really i mean the the screenplay of Moonlight is very descriptive. If you look at some of the passages that are out there, it's not the dialogue that drives it and I think that's it's it's kind of fascinating that that's what people are gravitating towards. It's more because Moonlight is such a beloved movie as a whole that it stands out in a category like this than anything else. I mean, if he was going up against Kenneth Long getting the same category because there was a question about whether or not this was an adapted screenplay. When it first premiered, to tell your ride and all that kind of stuff. So it ended up, as far as the Oscars were concerned, as an adapted screenplay from a play that was never produced. Which and means there will be there are two people going to the stage for that one. It's, yes, it's Barry absolutely and Terrell. true. And uh, and then the other one, original, leaves Kenneth Lonergan, I think, more solidly in the lead. He won the BAFTA. Um, so I think it's I think it's his. Well, who's a potential spoiler there? Because Damien Chazelle for La La Land, and, and historically, I mean, that doesn't mean that it doesn't happen here because it could be a juggernaut. But historically, the musical doesn't win for screenplay. 
Yeah, I mean, it's, it's not just that, right? It's, it's Kenneth Lonergan. He's a very respected, he's respected writer. He's a playwright. He's, he's incredibly respected. He's got seniority, if you like. But, but Chazelle did get nominated for Whiplash, and Lonergan got nominated for Gangs of New York, and you can count on me. So. Right, so that it's a, not quite a toss-up, but maybe a possibility it's of close, an upset. It's closer uh, than it could go either way, but I, I'm going to go with Lonergan. So that's the kind of thing on your ballot where you, if, if their names are next to each other, you can kind of like mark one, but then if you get it wrong, you can just say like, oh, no, 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 actually mark the other. <laughs> you, you know, so it, some potential surprise approaching that, that right there. So there's, a, there's an animated feature which kind of stands on its own as, as sort of like a separate race in a way because it, these, these, these are movies that we discover throughout the year and don't necessarily always get nearly as much attention. But what's been interesting about it this time is that uh, Zootopia seems to be a frontrunner. Um, it has been a frontrunner for quite some time. Uh, and yet there are possibilities of something like Well, the like one Kubo. that's coming along is Kubo and the Two Strings, which won the BAFTA, which was a surprise. And it's, I think it's actually a strong contender. They've been advertising it heavily, thinking they might even have a chance of catching up with Zootopia, which has been winning everything and also fits into the diversity narrative because it's an anti-racist sure. movie. They'll have to acknowledge that in their speech. I and mean, it went tough. all over the world. It's a billion dollars. It's, it's an extraordinary achievement because it, it, it has a message, a very strong message, and yet it's all packaged in this very witty and, and accessible movie. But that, that is a category where these kinds of upsets can happen. If there's a lot of visibility for a movie like Kubo and it came along later than Zootopia. I mean, there there is a strong argument to be made that it has a real shot. You know, the way that um, uh, you know Big Hero Six, for example, beat out a Pixar movie, and a lot of people had money on Pixar. So the, those sort of things can happen. I just feel bad for the Red Turtle, which to me I is loved it. so much better than all these. I'm all glad these. it got nominated, though. Yeah, no, I mean that, that's a thing. I mean, and it's, Pixar uh, has a short called Piper, which I'm picking right. for. That's a done deal. For uh, well. You never and know with done. those categories. I say mark it down, too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, actor and actress, we could talk about those. I mean, uh, Casey, for actor, seems like the one that we've assumed for a very long time, over a year now, really, since the movie started at Sundance. He was a, a front runner. And I think, yet... I think the argument that finally I accepted as the one reason why he will win, because I was really... This is a very close race. This is not a done deal. This is a a battle to the finish for various reasons, having to do with with um, well, Casey. Casey, yeah, Casey is the the reason that Manchester by the Sea is so good. It is his performance. Well, it is him and Lonergan sort of in synth symbiosis. And, and uh, Michelle Williams deserves an enormous amount of credit as well. But it it is his movie and. And Lucas Hedges. I mean, all these people who got nominated are part of this ensemble, but he carries this incredible emotion. Well, he's, it's like he's, he was born to play this character. Like, you could say he was sort of the butt of a lot of jokes for a while because he's always so 
subdued and kind of whiny, and that's who this character is. So he's like perfectly suited to his strengths. It's too. true. It's true. So then, then he was dogged by by some, uh, you know, an old 2010 documentary that he made where there was a, a lawsuit. That documentary was in air quotes. But, um, yeah. yeah, right. <laughs> um, the Joaquin Phoenix thing, and he he basically um, had a scandal on his. On but he his, avoided it the whole time. I mean, he as they far handled as they it very tell, well. It, it was a long time ago. It never went to court, you know. It, it, also, I mean, it wasn't a Nick Parker situation. Right. I mean, it wasn't like it wasn't as dire as, as yeah. that, but it, bad behavior undoubtedly, you know, was on that set. So, yeah, we shall see if it had an impact. Um, but the, you know, the Academy tends to be a big good old boy network. You know, you know, hijinks on the set are forgiven. I'm afraid. I am. I am curious. So, if if this hurt his momentum and there are and the reasons why Denzel could not win are that he already has won two Oscars and very few people only six people have won more than that uh, actors have won more than that could that somehow if both of those moment but their momentum is affected by these different reasons could that somehow propel a third possibility like a Viggo Mortensen to just win that win it out because that would be times, amazing that's when someone like Adrian Brody <laughs> Right. Wins, you know. What if he just wins this year? He just shows something, up. <laughs> <laughs> something so close that the third person, you know, gets in there. Uh, but I think I think Denzel Washington is actually very close to being able to beat Casey. It's it's so hard to he's say. He's so good at campaigning, just he's, being around he's people. Very plus, charming. he directed the movie. He directed the and, movie. Yeah. He's he's very good in the movie. But p- bottom line, though, I think Manchester is a more popular favorite than fences so let's take a breather for a second and talk about non uh, some of the the blow the line stuff we got the vfx categories an interesting one because that's the one where it's less about you know the same movies we've been talking about all year and more about like a really specific kind of accomplishment that people want to reward so i think you're you're calling jungle book by uh, a mile by a mile because the problem with um rogue one which has an amazing uh, visual effect in it, which is to bring somebody back from the dead, and they sort of More show than it off. Lie, actually, yeah, yeah, like Carrie, Carrie uh, Fisher as well. But, but um, I don't think in the end a lot of people in the Academy thought that it worked, that it was a successful well, thing but that's an in in- the movie. It's an interesting question because that, that's not the only VFX on display there. I mean, they, you're not. That's you the one that puts it in league with. And and contending with the, what what they did in the Jungle Book, which is to create an entirely digital universe with one live action boy, all on set, all done in the computer. It's true. I mean, it's it's almost like Avatar in that respect. I mean, it's, it's the uh, same. It's the same technology brought to a new level by the the the, the guy who worked with uh, Cameron and and Scorsese. His name is Rob Legato, and he worked with them from uh, the time of Titanic and and through uh, Hugo. Turn turn Christopher Walken into Aviator. a giant singing orangutan. I mean, that's that's, it. <laughs> that's that's the set piece, and and it's just an amazing. I mean, the animation of the characters. The animation of the environment, the way that they integrate the kid into the environment. I've, you know, I've already said this, I've said this before. This, for me, this is the Mad Max, 
you know, that got ten nominations last year. Well, Mad um, Max is a better movie, let's be honest. Oh, I, I love know the Jungle, you like Jungle Book. Book. I know you like it. I but, thought the kids' performance was kind of weak, and it only had two songs. I mean, it was imperfect. They couldn't make it into a musical. They had to figure out how to do it. And I think I think Favreau, John Favreau, did a great job. But anyway, that's that's my pick for yeah, the Yeah, visually it makes sense. Uh, I, I can roll with that. And then we have cinematography. Super cool to see somebody like James Laxton shot Moonlight in there. He's part of that that crew of people who all went to school together. He's married to the producer of the film. And, but um, you're saying La La Land. It would make sense that that's what people think about when they look at the cinematography category. No question. It just the images are everywhere. The the traffic. Oh, scene and we and put up this stuff. cool clip, you know, for one of the one of the songs where where the girls are running toward the camera, and you can see the the cameraman holding hand holding a camera. Jumping onto the, you know, the crane, the dolly crane rig that's moving backwards, and, and it's all choreographed, and it was like the smooth jump onto the thing. He's holding the camera. I loved it. I mean, and I have a friend who's a director who was trying to figure out how they shot that opening number. I mean, it was intricate and challenging. He even shot it on his iPhone. Right, right. No, I mean, there there is a lot about that movie that is impressive from a camera perspective, even if you don't like it or have issues with it politically or, or, or musically or, or whatever. I mean, that, that would make sense. Having said that, Arrival, the thing that's interesting about what Bradford Young has done with Arrival is that's a big studio movie, which allows... Actually, for, it was picked up by a studio. It was an independent film. I mean, for, from my scale. perspective... It's the it, only movie it, with it scale comparable yeah. to La La Land. I mean, that was a movie that was going to be picked up by... A, it's an expensive, star-driven yeah, genre, CGI, yeah, all yeah. that stuff. And uh, I like the first act of that movie a lot. I think what he does with the the kind of slow build in terms of like visually to create the sense of this large object and an that nobody knows what it is in, in this big open area I mean there, there's some amazing shots in that movie it's, considering the fact that it's not all there um, it's it's it feels like a different kind of category of cinematography than something like La La Land which is more rough and tumble kind of like getting to the thick of it but a lot of people like Arrival and it doesn't seem to have a shot at anything else so that I'm a little worried place. about Arrival. I, I love Arrival, and I thought, actually, here's another category where there's, um, you know, uh, the possibility of an upset because I don't think production design is clear at all. I mean, some of the ways that we figure these things out is we look at what wins the different guilds. Right. And the reason that I finally went with La La Land in production design is that they have different categories of... Uh, at the Art Directors Guild, and you can be fantasy, you can be period, you know, you can be contemporary. And in this case, La La Land's the one that won its category. And so I, even though period usually is an advantage in costume design and production design, I'm going with La La Land for production design for that reason, but I wanted it to be Arrival. I had Arrival as the winner all, all season. And I thought that the, the reason for that, and it has, you know, no, I don't know how people think about these things, but the reason I thought it was so extraordinary was because it was original. It what didn't look like other movies. You know, when you have aliens landing and spaceships and yeah. all it's of a, those it's environments. It's like a Spielbergian aesthetic made by a pretty young group of people. I mean, they're they're sort of finding their way through that kind of scale. But it was very much Denis Villeneuve who pushed and pushed and pushed Bradford Young and 
the set de- designer to to make it look different. But I remember and all Brett, those beautiful I mean, graphics, all of the language and everything. Yeah, I mean, Radford Young wanted and the heptapods. Yeah, the, those those crazy alien things. He won a cinematography prize for uh, <laughs> movies ridiculous in some ways. But he won a cinematography prize at Sundance for shooting two movies a couple of years ago for Anthem, Body Saints, and Mother of George. He's really gorgeous. He's gorgeous. Movies. But to go from that in less than a decade to uh, something like Arrival, I think, is a pretty stunning. So he is an extraordinary to, cinematographer, to and I would be thrilled if he won cinematography. I would be thrilled if the production designer won for Arrival too. I'm afraid that Arrival may not win anything. Go, it can go cry with Lion at the Weinstein party. Exactly. <laughs> so let's talk about Docs. That's an interesting one. Uh, I'm sure Ezra Edelman is, is ready for all this to be over. Every time you see him around, he looks morose <laughs> and unhappy. Like people, he's like pretty sincere, but also it's just like he is sincere. Just not. This not his his thing, and, and Oscar season really messes with people's minds in that respect. But well, his career is made. Let's be—we're not feeling sorry for Ezra I mean, Edelman. It, it's been a big run for this movie this, to have started at, at Sundance, being treated as a movie, and then kicking off this whole conversation about: Do you see it in the theater? Do you watch it at home episodically? Should it be in contention this way? And yet. For the most part, the conversation is dominated by how impressed people are with the way. Once they've seen it, there's no arguing with it. I think it's possible that the Academy is going to redefine, you know, what is a movie in this documentary feature category. I could see that happening, Um, and you know, I'm I maintain that you know at this stage of the game, all documentaries are paid for by television, and that's just and we all watch that stuff. I'm glad that I am not your Negro is a hit in theaters. well, let's, That's uh, we should talk about that because I I love that movie. I just I mean it's not even it's setting aside how what a, a great uh, statement it is on racial politics in America and, and the way that it, it gets James Baldwin's ideas into a contemporary framework. It's just an amazing piece of filmmaking. This kind of collage of you know voiceover and archival and and contemporary footage. I just think it's a, it's just well, the best thing Raul Peck's done in a really long time. But you you think Thirteenth is a spoiler because I assume Ava DuVernay is just everybody she's loves her, her own marketing marvel. Ava DuVernay. She's become a spokesperson. She's all over social media. But everybody she's who watches Thirteenth is Oprah this sort of, Winfrey. But it's, um, it's, it's about just a straightforward her. movie. I mean, it's a vote for her in a weird way. It's just, I mean, it's just a it's it talking hats. I agree it's, with um, you. I, I know what you're saying. I'm not. And I'm not your ego has has done well commercially. It screens really well. So how I, I just wonder if it's could could those two spoilers be neck and neck? You know, but there's there, there's something going on behind. She the scenes won the BAFTA. Here, and, That's one of the reasons I think she's. She's ahead. I think Netflix has done a lot to market the movie. So has Oprah Winfrey. Um, as I said, it's it's about Ava DuVernay. You know, who's not to be d- d- discounted. I miss the days when we were talking about Wiener as this big. Ah, you can't get over Wiener. <laughs> it was so much fun to just keep coming as that situation kept developing. I'm not going to forget about it. But you know, it's still a good movie. It doesn't have to win an Oscar. To so there are a that. couple of categories where you might, you know, Jackie could take over costume design over La La Land just because period tends to win those right. things. And, but that's very close. I wasn't sure which way that would go. And then um, in the sound mixing, you can assume that it will be La La Land because music wins that usually a lot of people who vote don't even know the difference between mixing and editing right i mean it's uh you kind of have to do your do your homework on that one otherwise some people don't vote in the category i do hear people saying that and then you know you can assume that la la land will win editing and you can assume that that uh 
uh, you could act actually have Hacksaw Ridge come in with best sound editing. Fine, let them have it. You know, let it, let them take. So there's, there's just a, a couple of, of categories that. <laughs> that that could steal it from lot. But you know what? If they went down the line and voted for La La Land, I wouldn't be surprised. And then there's the um, foreign is an interesting. Yeah, category. that's a question mark. I mean, when we first started looking at this category a while ago, it was Tony Erdman because Sony Pictures Classics has it. And then the more you start thinking about it, it's it's kind of a weird movie tonally. You no, know, then you I've, hear what people are saying, and yeah. they don't like it as much. You know, it's the, I've heard so many people say it's not funny, it's too long. Everybody says it's too long. It, it it's not a, been edited, not a conventional you know? narrative by any stretch of the imagination, and it's a, and it is a tough sit for people who are not open to what it's doing. So you take that out of the equation, and then for a while, it was A Man Called Uva, which made, what was it, $3 million domestically or something it like that. It did really well, and it's a crowd. In fact, someone told me last, it was talking to me last night about how, someone I respect who, who loves that movie and voted for that movie. It's actually a good movie, and I thought it would win after uh, I, I moved to that film, but now the politics of, of the salesman and Afgar, Asghar Farhadi uh, could mean that a lot of people are seeing the salesman that might not have been motivated to look at it. And, I did. And I had missed it continuously. I was trying to get you guys to see just, that movie. I just, it screened like it can and the reactions weren't amazing and I just kept not it prioritizing. It surprises it can. And, and, and it, I think it benefited, in my case, from seeing it then because I think it's in some ways his most accessible movie. I think that it, even though it doesn't directly address the problems with the world today that it that it is in some ways about the specific nature of a culture that in America right now is under attack and um, his decision not to attend and to take a stand makes that more, that message more pronounced and it makes the film more ubiquitous so it's not like Amazon had to take advantage of that to campaign for it or something like that I mean it's uh, it, it's one of those movies where you know people know him they like him you watch it it's good enough that should be enough. And it happens to tie into the scenario of sending a message. So, you know, it becomes an anti-Trump message, an right. anti-Trump immigration ban message. And, and, you know, he's still not here. Even though that, that ban got blocked, he didn't come. So. Other people are coming. Um, um, clearly, it was, it was, he was sticking to his guns. And if, if a man called Uva wins, there is a, an Iranian performer. Who can't... Who, who, who is coming? Yeah, think, so there, so finally. there, yes, so that, so that would, in some ways, there is still a possibility if that film wins. I don't think people look be. at it in those terms, though. Sure, sure, but once somebody has a, the microphone, you know, there, there are many different things that you can say from that perch. I mean, for, for all we know, the biggest speech of the night will be somebody who we don't really know, a below the line person, or, or somebody associated with a short film, or something like that, who just finds the words that nobody else is quite landing on. And figures out the right tone and so forth, because that's a tricky thing. You know, you, nobody wants to get played off, and they need to get through a bunch of stuff. And they submit those names that run across the bottom of the screen to get a lot of stuff out of the way. But it's still, it's got to be nerve wracking when you're standing there, and you know, time is ticking away, and every word is going to make a difference, and the transcripts are going to be out there right away. And then you got to go backstage and, and face the the even more scrutiny from the press. So. It's uh, it's a lot to handle psychologically, and I think you'll you'll see that bear, bearing down. on No, people. at the party we you went know. to last night, I mean, both Ezra Edelman and and Barry, Barry Jenkins were worrying about that. Yeah, Barry was sort of like, "I need to go write my speech." Again. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "You should have done that a few weeks ago." And just, you know, forgotten about it by now. But uh, 
Barry would be a nice person to see when director, but I, I assume that that's uh, going if to be... If anyone could take it from Chazelle, it would be him. Yeah. But I think Those guys are arm-in-arm arm all season. Yeah. And, uh... I, I mean, it's just cool to see people on, on that level making movies that are not and that, that young and yeah. that and that talented. I mean, these two guys are going to be around for a long time. It's exciting. Yeah, so I, I I'm pulling for for Barry because I because I do think what he did with with Moonlight is is, is just a remarkable step up. But uh, but uh, but I see the the uh, design in which uh, that allows Chazelle to, to take it. So and then we go to Best Picture and I think, and everybody's ready to just hit the bar by then. <laughs> um, but I think it'll be we'll already we'll see you know the 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 writing on the wall heading toward toward La La Land because that's sort of how it works. It's it's a question of people in all the different branches voting for the same thing. Okay, but last year it didn't work that way, right? Because Spotlight. One and that it wasn't a total upset. But it the was reason not. Spotlight won was because it was the message they wanted to send. Well, in the this end, is a that's why Twelve year Years a Slave won, and so that's why that could happen. Yeah, and and I'm gonna say, but, from purposes of my ballot, that, that I'm, I'm gonna go with Moonlight because I have nothing to lose. <laughs> <laughs> but also, it's it, it as as we talk about this, it does seem like that is it's a is possibility. Potential. There's a there's a total possibility that they're gonna go serious. But the problem is that while Moon, we think Moonlight is the one. There are others who think it's Fences or Hidden Figures. So there's three movies vying for that vote. That's why they're splitting it, the message vote, if you like. But Fences is not a movie that could win Best Picture. I mean, it's just not... It's not going to happen. So even if it was Hidden Figures in Moonlight, it still takes away the possibility of catching up with La La Land. I think it, when you get down to it, though, the case could be made for Moonlight over La La Land because more the, than, say, the other movies. Because Hidden of. Figures is pulling the mainstream Right. Vote. You're just saying that these other two movies take away some of the potential for Moonlight to That's sneak correct. in. That's correct. But, uh, I'm just doing the numbers. Yeah. Yeah. We, I mean, that's what's question, It's also the preferential ballot. It's a yeah. question that you have nine ranked movies... Nobody and the really ones that are at that. number That's one, important. the ones that are at number two, the right. ones that are number three, then they have all the piles and they do the piles. And if, you know, it, 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 it is, it is on, honestly, it is hard, I think, to catch up with La La Land. So, I, I mean, it, it, I'm curious to see how this ceremony goes. Hopefully it won't go too long or anything like that, but... It's there's a pressure to be political. There's a lot of really interesting movies. Uh, there's not a ton of stuff that I can imagine happening that we don't already know is going to happen. I mean, I don't expect that Jim, Jimmy uh, Kimmel, Kimmel is going to do some sort of well, radical a, thing. No, you know, he, he'll he'll try a, to keep it. He's funny and smarmy. And, they'll do know. another La La Land thing with the opener. God you think knows. so? I, I feel like that would just be such a ripoff after the Globes <laughs> opener. <laughs> they did a good job. <laughs> that, that. Yeah, how do you top that? You know. But the, the funny thing about the Oscars is when they interact with the crowd, you know, Ellen DeGeneres ordering pizza or something like that. And yeah, Kimmel will be good at that stuff. And there's going to be good music. Um, we're a little disappointed that Emma and Ryan aren't going to do their own musical numbers. It's, it's going to be John Legend. But uh, you know, we'll we'll hear uh, Lin Manuel Miranda up there, and, and we'll we'll have <laughs> pining some fun. for his egot. Yeah, as it were. that isn't going to happen. 
So you'll be backstage, I'll be wandering around finding the losers at the bar and so forth, and uh, then we'll reconvene for a couple more parties and somehow go on with our lives. And there is life after Oscars for all of us, movies to see and so forth. It's, I watched, uh, uh, you and I both went to a screening of Logan, that's which, right, is which is really is good. That's right, quite And good. I'm going to interview James Mangold on first thing Monday morning. <laughs> I get up So did you watch the Oscars, Jim? James <laughs> Mangold. So the, so the the movies will because he did a really good job. We will we will have an opportunity to continue to talk about stuff like that for many more weeks. Uh, but in the meantime, I think we should probably get ready because we've got a couple more parties to do. We can power through to the finish line and and um, see how things go. So look for us in, in the background of, of various shots, and, and we'll try to wave <laughs> back. See you there. <laughs> <laughs>